How do you honor God? By doing everything to the glory of God. Not just not sinning, not just, okay, you don't steal from people, but by making good shoes. If we're going to talk about you were a new creation, that means everything has to change. Why does God not just, you know, bring people to heaven immediately after being saved? It's because there's stuff to do here. There's a point to all of this. And if we're Christians, we do it better, or at least in theory. But if we really apply the standard that's set in scripture, then we know that no one is good because no one is God. We serve a storyteller. We serve a, a God who has a perfect plan, a sovereign will for every moment of history. It's not about going into the world to make artists. It's about going into the world to make disciples. This is the Christian artist honoring Christ through creativity. My name is Caleb. My name is Connor. My name is Carly. My name is Rudy. And we are here once more back from a, a hiatus because I was deathly sick like and yeah. scheduling was weird. Um, we're back and it is time to talk about gender roles. Yeah. <laughs> let's get controversial on today's episode. One day before the election, let's just go for it, you know? Hey, at least we're not talking about the election. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> let's just go for it. Let's talk about it. Um, Carly, I well, might... First of all... Real, real quick, Maria, Carly, I might want to get you to yeah. change your mic to the laptop mic okay. because I can hear myself repeated every single time I say something Ooh. in your headphones. Okay. So that's uh, sort of here. inconvenient. Let me see if my com computer or webcam is any good. Mm -hmm. I think you changed something. Yeah. Yeah, is it better? That's good. Yep, that's, that's okay. perfect. Cool. Well, take it away, Carly. Uh, I was just going to say, first off, Maria, who are you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> What kind of information do you want? I already gave you my name. <laughs> your bank information, uh, your credit card number. Um, <laughs> four. <laughs> um, well, I'm a freshman at NSA along with Carly. Uh, Not the government organization, the NSA, no. uh, a college called New St. Andrews. <laughs> yes. Um, maybe, maybe, yeah. <laughs> That's Who knows? True. Maybe she's in both. Also, real quick, just I know that I'm I'm ruining the beginning of this episode, but uh, Maria, you're really quiet for some reason. I don't know if it's just you hmm. talking quietly or it's just the. Uh, I don't know. Wanna? I don't know. If, wanna check that out? Uh, there should actually be a place on Zoom itself. You turn your mic volume up. Yeah. Go to the, the mic icon in the bottom corner, and then audio settings, and then on microphone, turn the volume bar up. I would say we normally try to figure this stuff out before we start the episode, but that's not true. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there. Aha. Uh -huh. Is this better? Yes. Yep. Yay! Just go ahead and talk loud and proud, and, and you should be good. Okay. <laughs> Um, I, I hate introducing myself because I never, <laughs> um, I'm 18. <laughs> what are your aspirations in life, Maria? Gosh, Caleb, I don't know. <laughs> Good Lord. Well, 
I mean, I want to get married and I want to be a mom eventually. There I want to have twins. That's a fun fact. Um, I want to teach literature at a high school, classical Christian place. Cool. <laughs> um, I mean, it would be fun to get published. Yeah. But that's really the main, main aspiration. It's kind of a fun idea cool awesome so uh carly I, I guess like if you would tell us one why we invited maria on the podcast and two what we're going to be kind of talking about in more detail uh, i'd love if you do that yeah so um i mainly just thought of this topic with having maria on because we've had conversations about this because uh, we're roommates and so we've talked about this a lot um and like I finally found another Christian female that's not from my group of people in Wisconsin that I know of that is like actually um, like solid on biblical expectations for men and women. Um, it's like specifically specifically with relation to like you know male headship, which we've talked about a lot. Um, and I know we don't like fully agree on every little aspect of that, but. Um, I think generally we both agree on um, what we say the Bible would say about that. Um, and like, so I've had many of those moments where we've been having conversations and I'm like, dang, I wish we would have recorded that for a podcast episode because it's just been so good. But that's um, uh, one of those yeah. situations. Yep. Awesome. So yeah, I mean, where do you want to start? Um, obviously, Connor and I will provide like the the guy part of it, and you and uh, Maria will provide the gal part. Um, but where do we want to start? I mean, like, I guess maybe in broad terms, um, what do we all think? And you know, in the in the general sense in which we all agree, what is what are biblical gender roles? I think I think it's important to maybe start with there is a difference between men and women, yeah. um, and affirming that fact uh, as a reality of the universe, it's probably a good place to start, um, <laughs> right? Uh, men and women are different, and as a result, they are not different in worth or value, but they are different in role. They are different in the, what their expectation, what like expectations for them in life is, um, what. Uh, you know, properly and biblically should be expected of them, uh, specific, specifically in a like husband and wife relationship, but also in society, in, as an individual, um, in, uh, yeah, you know, all the various aspects and spheres of life. Um, but uh, I don't know who wants to who wants to tackle it, like the beginning of that question. Who wants to start answering it? <laughs> I'm the host, so I get to just ask the question and someone else has to answer it. I don't know. Kayla, what do you think? As the co-host, he also has the right to do that. Wow. Yeah, I guess so. We all do. Yeah. I mean, maybe just to, to start off, probably uh, going to the Bible would be a good place. To, to begin, does anyone have like a, uh, Connor, you're probably the person. I'm going to just pass it back to you once more. Um, <laughs> just because you, you're the one who knows verse references way better than I do. Uh, do you have a place that we can go off offhand to start kind of digging into this? 
um, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. There we go. Let's do it. Let's dig into Ephesians chapter 5, shall we? Um, yeah, okay. So starting in verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head ooh, of the ooh. wife. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, I got I to stop already, you right there. It's already difficult. I thought we were trying to be like, you know, not controversial right before the election. No, that's not what I said at all. I said, oh. let's be controversial right before the election, just oh, not about the means, election. Then by all means, keep going, keep going. Yeah. Wives, submit to your husbands. Uh, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might be present so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are the members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ in the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Yeah, I mean, that's probably a good place to start. Uh, who wants to dig into what that all means? I mean, right away, I mean, I think we need to just maybe come out and say it means what it says, right? There, there, you, you're not going to find some sort of exegetical loophole um, here. You know, it, it's about wives should submit to their husbands and husbands should love their wives. Um, now, what does that mean? You know, we can dig further into that, but it does mean in general, what it says, like there, there, you, you can't say, you can't say that, you know, saying wives should submit to their husbands means the opposite of wives should submit to their husbands, um, as many people try to do. But so, uh, yeah, well, I mean, let's dig in. Let me stop right there, Caleb, and say that it doesn't mean what you think it means. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's actually funny. The other day I was, I was, I saw, and I don't remember the specifics of this or who posted it, but it was like, uh, an imaginary conversation between uh, a like a lay person and a pastor and the lay person was like you know what what does it mean to be you know for the husband to be the leader of his wife like what does that mean and the pastor you know just keeps waffling on like well it doesn't mean that you should be a dictator and then the guy's like well okay well what does it what does it mean like what do i what am i supposed to do to be the leader of my wife and and he's like, well, it it doesn't mean that you should just tell her to do whatever you say. And then he's like, okay, but what should I do? And then he kept going back and forth. And by the time the conversation had ended, the guy had basically said, don't be a leader, <laughs> right? Um, everything he said was about doing the opposite of what the command to be a leader even means. Um, so I think it's it's very important to just say right away, this verse means what it says. Yeah. Someone else, take it away. <laughs> Thoughts? Um, I mean, specifically with women, you get into a lot of, like, evangelical feminists um, being very, very set off by the idea of, wives having to 
basically obey a man, um, which is the the main issue that I have with like I whenever I hear um, any argument against male headship or you know just a wife making any kind of sacrifice for her husband or what her husband wants, my first reaction because I have firsthand experience with this, not as being a wife yet, but as being, you know, preparing to be a wife, I, like, women in a biblical marriage will want what their husband wants, um, and they will want to obey and submit to him because they trust him, and they know that he's going according to scripture in major decisions, and, you know, so they're, in, in the actual biblical model of this, there would be little disagreement to start with. And then if there is disagreement, it's handled biblically, um, which means, you know, they talk it out. If they still disagree, they go to the church and then the church, um, you know, has to butt in if they have to butt in. But like, I, I feel like feminists want to di- divorce this, <laughs> Um, divorce this passage <laughs> from the rest of the Bible and just be like, look, the Bible's advocating that men be above women yeah. um, and Lord authority over them. But then you s- read the rest of the passage and the rest of the Bible, and it, that's clear that that's not the case. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to, to point out like the, the context in which this verse should apply, and that is a marriage mm-hmm. between... I mean, I mean, it should also apply in a marriage between a Christian and a non-Christian or yeah. two non-Christians technically, right? But but we're we're talking about like Paul is speaking to Christians in theory, right? He's speaking mm-hmm. to people who should know the Bible, love the Bible, love Christ. And so in theory, the idea is if you have two people who love Christ, then things should be okay. Um, and obviously if there's a situation that where sin is involved, as I think feminists just assume it automatically would be like that the husband's just going to be a dictator. Um, right. Like if, if there's actual sin involved where the husband is literally like forcing his wife to sin or something, right. That's, that's obviously a completely different issue and that's handled in other ways in church discipline and so on and so forth. Right. Um, the, the thing we have to remember here is this is the context of this is two people who love Christ and how do they work together in a marriage? And the idea is that, because of the husband and the way that God has designed men, um, he is supposed to take a leadership role, which means he is the the person who's supposed to, um, who has the responsibility and the task of making sure that both members of this marriage and the family as a whole, if they have children, right, is following Christ. Um, and that should be good, Right. And it, it would be good. And in nowhere in scripture is this passage advocating that the husband should just tell the wife to do whatever he wants. And that's what that means. No, it says he's supposed to lead them t- in Christ. Like, and, and that's his job. That's his responsibility. He, he is legitimately a a leader in the sense that like, yeah, he should be the the person who makes like the final decision. If there's like a disagreement on something that's not like sin related, right? Like obviously if there's something, there's like a sin problem, that's something deeper and bigger and needs to go to the church. Right. But if it's just like, 
you know, we need to figure out what we're doing in the next, you know, five years with, you know, vocation and family and whatever else, like what are, what are like figuring that out? Obviously you talk it out together, but at the end of the day, it should be the husband's decision because he's the leader. That's his job. And it's his responsibility. Like he also not, you know, he's the guy who, who makes the call at the end of the day, but he's also the guy who gets the flack if things go wrong, if he messes yeah. up. Um, right. And that's the way it's supposed to be. Um, so that the wife yeah. doesn't have to be the person to take the fall. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things that Maria and I have, have talked about is like, we've both, and we, we independently came to this realization, but then just like talked about it and we're like, Oh yeah, I've thought that too is as a woman, I would never want that responsibility that a man has in a marriage like that because it's so unfit for me to have. I just naturally know that that's like, I'm not made for that. Um, which is such an interesting thing that just, you know, there's so much just in our nature biologically and mentally that it's like, yeah, we recognize that there are differences in roles here because it's, like actually ingrained in us that we're not supposed to be doing like operating within the other role. Yeah. And for me, even thinking about being in the, in the position that a husband is supposed to be in, like it makes me physically cringe. Like yeah. when I think about <laughs> make the final call, like if I'm, you know, in the future, if slash when I get married, if there's like a disagreement or something and my husband's just like, fine, you make the decision. Like that idea just is like, no. <laughs> the other thing is um, uh, with um, people who try to change the meaning of this verse or try to, you know, twist gender roles or whatever, um, or say that this model's wrong. Um, one thing I've noticed is that it always assumes that the husband and wife are constantly in disagreement about like yeah. decisions that need to be made. Like every single time this topic comes up um, and I'm talking about it with somebody who doesn't have the same uh, worldview that I do always it's like, Oh yeah. But like when there's a disagreement or whatever, and it's always this idea that, that it's constant and that they like never agree for some reason, um, which I understand that they're, will be times obviously that there are disagreements and big ones and serious ones and that sometimes um the wife won't want to submit um unfortunately because that's the world that we live in um obviously ideally the wife would always want to submit and the husband would always make the right decision but that's just not reality um and i do get that but it's like if you're making god the center of your marriage and you're both Christians and you both, the main thing is that you both love God more than you love each other, then those disagreements, I think this might be me being a naive teenager, but I'm pretty sure that those disagreements will happen less. And when they do happen, mm -hmm. they will be not, you know, big giant screaming matches. I mean, I think those will happen sometimes but I think it's definitely the exception and not the rule and that it will never be, you know, like you'll never like scream at your spouse and feel good about it after, you know, you're never gonna be like, yeah, that was the right thing to do. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I've noticed that it always assumes that 
that there's constant disagreements and that you'll always disagree on the house you want to buy and you'll always disagree about things about your kids and you'll always disagree about finances and sex and everything. It's like, I'm pretty sure, no, if you're married <laughs> to somebody and God's the center of your relationship, you're going to be on the same page 99% of the time. Yeah. And, and like, that's the, what's, what's I think kind of weird about that whole dichotomy is the reason that people feel that way is because, um, they, they don't know what a, like a functional, healthy relationship mm -hmm. looks like, right? Like, yeah, that that's how relationships, specifically marriages, are supposed to work. Like, you 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 actively try to be on the same page with each other, even if it means mm -hmm. sacrificing what you maybe think is the right thing. Um, and and, and this is not to say, and, and nothing about that passage says that the husband can't just change his mind because of right. something the wife says, right? Like, yeah. of course, like they're, they're taught, they talk about it. That's the whole, like, of course they're going to do that. Why wouldn't you do that? The, the whole, I mean, look at like Proverbs, right? Um, and, and the way it talks about like the good wife that you, that a, a, a guy is supposed to want, it's like, she's wise and, and, and thoughtful and has much to offer. Like, it, he someone's not going to marry a woman like that and then not ask her opinion right like yeah. the, like one of the reasons that i <laughs> i i'm excited to marry carly is because she knows things and she is good at things right like I know that things. i'm not that i'm not right like she is much more organized than i am she is much more cognizant about certain <laughs> things like and, and so i i i um want to ask her opinion about things right i want to know what she thinks about things and i i when you know we're married i'm going to make decisions based on both of our inputs into a situation now it is my responsibility at the end of the day to say like yeah this is what we're going to do but like i'm going to want to try to make try, try to make sure that carly is as enthusiastic about that decision as possible um and that we're both on the same page with it um, if, if I don't do that, if I just force my will on her, I'm not being loving, right? I'm not, I'm not fulfilling my part of the bargain. Um, so yeah. But in situations where the wife is possibly in sin or just wrong about something and not necessarily sinning, but refusing to go along with what the husband wants and therefore sinning, um, then enforcing the the husband um in enforcing his leadership would be being loving towards her because he is either correcting sinful behavior um or you know just doing what's best for the family and right going against her um instinct to try to one-up his leadership yeah exactly connor you have any thoughts no, this is all solid so far. <laughs> You're the one that's actually married. <laughs> yeah, please, please give us some insight as to maybe give, give us some practical insight on like how has this worked so far for you guys. Oh, uh, geez, wow, what a personal question. <laughs> um, and maybe you don't have to give specific examples, but well, yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, well, did, uh, yeah, so these have been my, kind of my thoughts as we're going through this year. Um, it's, it's always been surprising and like very, very, very rare 
to meet a girl who is not only not only understands submission in scripture and is like actually like read their Bible about it, but it's like, yeah, it's a good thing to be submissive and I want to be a mom. You know what I mean? <laughs> Whereas like every other woman on the planet is like, I want to do this, I want to do this, you know, whatever. And so when uh, Mickey and I were were talking about, you know, dating and, and figuring out where we where each person stood on that, you know, it was like, oh, like you understand the Bible and obey it. Well, that's cool. You know, <laughs> whereas uh, just most Christian women you meet and find, they just don't, uh, not only are they not on their radar, but they're, they're naturally against it just because yeah. that's our culture is to be naturally against men being over women. It's like, it's like panic inducing. Oh, you didn't just say that, that men are supposed to be in leadership roles, right? You know, um, I've been doing a lot of job searching up here too, um, in, in Madison and so many different companies and businesses will like advertise for women in leadership. You know, we put women in leadership positions here and it's like this, this great, wonderful thing of like, you should come work for here because we're inclusive with women and putting them in authority over you. It's like, hmm, <laughs> interesting. Um, uh, there's also like a, that like verse point. in uh, Proverbs 31. Um, what are you doing, my son? Do not give your power to women. <laughs> or do not give yeah. your strength to women. And it like yeah. particularly yeah. means like, um, I'm going to find the actual, uh, I was doing a word study through chapter because i'm using it in my research paper um uh, yeah so the word strength in that passage particularly means um efficiency wealth army and like there's very much the implication of like social status like don't give your status to a woman um and then you also see throughout Proverbs 31, you see that this woman is um, this, like, you know, God's ideal woman is, you know, she's dressed in like purple garments that she's made for herself. And she's, um, she seems to have status because she's doing things like buying a vineyard or uh, rather buying a field and planting a vineyard. Um, and she's, she's like selling clothes to the, to a merchant um, to make some extra money. And like, I think a lot of people use that as, as like, Oh, women should be in the workplace a whole bunch. Like this woman is very involved in the workplace. And I, I would say that biblically she's just being a reflection of her husband instead of like being and like more than her husband. Like she's not trying to, um, Oh, I have another quote written down somewhere um, from uh, so I was reading through one of the essays in uh, Recovering Biblical Manhood and Womanhood um, for my paper. Um, and Dorothy Patterson is the one that wrote uh, the one essay that I was reading. Um, I gotta pull up the document. Um, and regarding 
a biblical wife. Um, uh, she says, uh, maybe I didn't write it down here. Um, well, but she specifically says, I think I can remember it, that a, a, a biblical woman um, compliments and uh, compliments, completes, and extends her husband. Um, and so the, the woman in Proverbs 31 is not, um, you know, going a, against and being yeah. um, kind of antagonistic to the efforts that her husband is doing. She's not trying to one-up her husband. She's accompanying what he's doing with her own womanly works. Um, you know, she's planting a vineyard. She's making clothes and selling them. She's feeding her household, um, which are very, uh, you know, God-given. We can see throughout scripture and just through our nature are very womanly tasks. Um, you know, she's doing domestic things. Um, and she's, she's not only just doing things that she wants to do because they're fun or because she feels like it, she's increasing her husband's investments. She's taking money that he's earned and she's buying a piece of land and planting a vineyard on it and increasing on that profit, um, which I think is a super, super cool thing to see that scripture just like actually lines out. Like this woman is, is making her husband, um, she's increasing his status rather than her own. Um, Cause in, th yeah. cause in theory, they're one person, right? Yeah, and so exactly. what, you know, it, it's not a competition between the two of them. It's how can yeah. we both work together to do something that we both want to do? Um, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know where you want to go from there. Um, it's like mic drop. Well, that's for, the way it is. We're out and sort of, you know, <laughs> for, for Mickey and I, I mean, we haven't really had any type of like, quote unquote disagreements uh, at, at, like up to this point in our marriage. And I'm sure anybody who's been married for over 10 years is like, how long have you been married for? Oh, less than a year. <laughs> but uh, um, we haven't had any type of major disagreements on anything in terms of like, um, like, all right, what, what life decision do we need to make anything like that? Um, so we haven't had a point where I've had to be like, yo, Mickey, I'm, I'm the top dog here. We, we got to do what I say. But uh, <laughs> there have been, um, I, I guess, just kind of make, like Mickey and I's relationship is the, like the reason I was like, oh, okay, I can marry Mickey was the fact that she was like, yeah, I want to be a mom. And like that, like that would be, that would be my ideal, like, goal and aspiration is I want to fulfill what God says a woman should do and be in the Bible. And like that, that, that's who I want to be. That's what I want to do. And I want you to be the leader and I want you to provide for our family. And I want you, you know what I mean? So just making those distinctions, even in, even not just in terms of submission, but just in life roles in general, mm -hmm. um, where the Bible gives us not necessarily directives in, in specifics, but simply in general terms, the man is to provide for the family and be the leader, and the woman is to care for the home and care for the children. 
And that's just the, the Bible's like implicit directives for not only just roles in the marriage, but roles as man and woman in society and in a family unit. So that, I mean, that's why I married Mickey. So like that, that, I mean, that would be like my quote unquote insight into like gender roles in terms of what, what are the biblical mandates and directives for these things? And a lot of it, I think comes down to if you're a Christian and you're currently in a relationship with someone, let's say if you're a female and you're in a relationship with a guy and you can't imagine having to submit to him in something, probably get out of that relationship. Yep. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, but also you have to examine if that's sin on your part mm. or if that's that he's not being the model that he has to be because in our culture, especially in the church, we tend to push the idea that women don't sin as much or as overtly as men mm. and they're not guilty most of the time. And that's just not true. Um, because I think the ways that women tend to sin are even more like poisonous sometimes because we do it subtly and we do it. We tend to do it in very manipulative ways. And this is me talking about myself. Like I know that I can do that. Um, and so we tend to just let it slip under the rug and be like, Oh no, it's probably the guy's fault in that argument or whatever. Um, I mean, the the church especially acts that way right now. Um, yeah. The church as a whole, they will call out. You, you just look at the difference between a Father's Day sermon and a Mother's Day sermon. The Mother's Day sermon yeah. is, moms, <laughs> you're all amazing, and we just are so thankful for you. And the Father's Day sermon is, guys, you need to get your act together. Like, you do realize that if you're not a good father, your children are going to go be sinners and be Satanists someday. You know, like... <laughs> We were just over at uh, Angel and Ashley's house yesterday after church talking about that exact thing yeah. where the, the church as a whole, like it, it favors, it favors women. Yeah. Whereas yeah. No, uh, it does. we, we have, we have uh, raised the standard for, for men and tried to beat them down into submission. And we've lowered the standard for women. Yep. And they're like, it's okay. All women need is encouragement. And it's like, I mean, that's just the you, church. You look culture. at almost any women's Bible study, right? It's yeah. all just encouragement, <laughs> flowery fluff, right? And then the... Yeah, yeah. Women yeah. really need, women that are trying to be godly women and solid Christians, they need to be convicted of their sin. Yeah. They want to be convicted of their sin so that they can be sanctified and continue to do better works. Um, yeah, that I, I had a whole Twitter thread a while ago specifically about that. And I saw another tweet recently um, related to just the whole idea that we rarely call women out on sin. Um, and that's a huge issue because women that are in sin and maybe don't want to be corrected, but need to be, don't get corrected. And women that are, um, you know, wanting to be more and more sanctified um, are not aided in that by Christians around them that should be calling them out on certain things. Um, and so you get this just like dumbing down of the gospel towards women where you forget that women are also sinners and can sin in even more egregious ways than men sometimes with certain matters. 
Yeah, and I feel like another thing is that not only um, is it, you know, said like, um, like it's mainly men or whatever, but I feel like there's almost, it explicitly says like women don't sin and if they do, then it's gossip. Like, I feel like that's right. the message and it's, and, and the one side of it is, um, yeah, it makes it harder to be convicted and harder to know if you're sinning as a woman, but it also makes it super, and Carly, you and I have talked about this, yeah. where it makes it so isolating yeah you know that you're sinning and then everything around you is saying like oh women don't sin like especially um with like porn and stuff i don't know how pg this (laughs) no you're good no yeah yeah but like with porn um it's said in society and i and in the church too it's like it's always men and women don't and so when you have women who do struggle with that they feel like they're the only woman ever that did and it's so isolating and it makes it really hard to like where it just takes them forever to even realize what they're doing and that it is sin yeah and it's just so hurtful um for people who struggle with that and it and it's you know the worst um and then uh another thing i wrote down is um this is going back a little bit um uh, with the whole men in leadership um, thing and with the whole Mother's Day and Father's Day um, that uh, it, it, with the church right now, I feel like is sort of making men like scared to lead or yeah. not. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah, I was talking with, um, I don't know what to call him, Isaac. Carly, you can put boyfriend <laughs> person. <laughs> Um, like I was talking to him about this and um, I was expressing to him you know how like I specifically want to be led and he was sort of put off by that like he was like I'm supposed to do that like mm. and he had to like learn how to because two years yeah. ago when he started like dating um, he wasn't like that at all um, because he felt like if the, the image in his head of leadership um, which he wanted to avoid, um, but he thought it was the only thing you're supposed to do is that dictatorship. Um, because that's all you hear in the church is like, don't be a dictator. That's not what the Bible means. And Caleb, like you were saying earlier, they don't say what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just know what you're not supposed to do. And so you end up don't doing, not doing anything at all. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, that's what was going on with Isaac, where it's just like, Okay, I'm not supposed to be a dictator, so I won't lead because leading means dictating, and I and that's bad, so I'm not going to do that. Um, and then I come along and I'm like, hey, I want to be led, and he's like, okay, well, I- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now what? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I have two other things um, that I can say if that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so, um, the other kind of refutation. Um, not really refutation, but counterpoint, I guess, that I hear a lot um, with this whole topic is people immediately go to abuse. Um, yeah. Every time. Yep. Every single time. It's like, oh, well, this male headship, like, undoubtedly means that the husband's going to abuse the wife and the wife is going to think that it's her fault and the church is going to say that it's her fault. Um, so it'll never get fixed. And it's like, okay. <laughs> 
little situations where people are abused because that does happen and I'm fully aware of that. Um, But going back to like, okay, if they're both Christians, that's not even in the realm of something that would happen. If they're real Christians, you're not going to beat up your wife. (laughs) And if something like that happens, that's where church discipline gets involved. And And if you're going to an actual faithful church, they're not going to completely blame the wife for something like that. Other thing which I find just laughably ironic is like the feminist movement when attacking this is like, oh, then the woman will be told that it's her fault so she won't do anything about it. And it's like, okay, that you're that's such a contradiction to the entire feminist movement because what they're basically saying is men are strong, women are weak. can't fight back from her abusive husband she's gonna let the be abused it's like hey you're saying thing is that that's not true and besides like feminist movement stuff it's like women have brains and women can get out of marriages this isn't levitical law you know it's like i can go file for a divorce if i'm getting abused that's fine. Mm-hmm. And the church doesn't condone any kind of abusive thing. It's like, if you're getting abused, get a divorce. That's dangerous. You're going to get hurt. Don't do that. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously, it's not necessarily to say that, like, yeah, I mean, in, in a situation where, like, a, a husband is legitimately, like, beating his wife, there's probably been an escalation, too. So, you know, in theory, hopefully there would have been something caught before this point to mm-hmm. to be able to to mitigate something like that happening. And then church discipline could be involved and so on and so forth. Right. Um, but yeah, right. When you get to that point and, and honestly, uh, you, you mentioned a little bit, a little bit of Levitical law. Levitical law actually says like you, well, that's one of the reasons that you can divorce someone is if they don't love you. Like that's that's like the the tra- the translation is like if they don't provide for you or love you or like it, it's like, yeah, you, you, that's a reason you can get a divorce. Like, because when you say I'm going to marry someone, you say I'm going to like as a husband, I, you're going to provide for them. You're going to care for them. You're going to love yeah. them. And if they don't give you any of those things or even not just vows. one of those. Yeah, they're breaking their vows. And OK, yeah. And what, what's actually really interesting is when I and just as a like a quick side note, because I thought it was really interesting. I've been like studying and thinking about divorce in scripture for a while now. And I actually came across the fact that there is, there are only two stipulations for divorce, but they're actually really widely encompassing. Um, One is sexual immorality, right? That's like the hard, actually really, there's only one reason to get a divorce for someone. (laughs) Because this this reason covers everything, including sexual immorality, which Jesus specifically pointed out. But it's and that reason is if your if your spouse is not a Christian, and and what we get from that is if your spouse is beating you, abusing you, not caring for you, not providing for you, cheating on you, they're probably not a Christian. And what you would happen, right? You would go through church discipline. That person would go through church discipline, and if they got to the point where they were unrepentant of what they did to you and wouldn't and won't fix it. They're not a Christian because that's how being, you know, if you're, you're a Christian, you repent of your sin. And so mm-hmm. that person gets excommunicated from the church and there you go. You, you can get a divorce now because 
you're that's person's not a christian um you know just going off of the the verse that talks about like specifically like you know if you it talks specifically about like if you are a if you become a christian and and then your spouse is a non-christian but it, it ends up talking talk going into a much further kind of like broadly encompassing thing and that is when two christians are married to each other in theory they won't do anything that would require divorce it's only when someone acts like they aren't a Christian, proving that they aren't, yeah. or at the very least, proving that for now they are rebelling against church authority, and then maybe at some point in the future they'll be brought back into the fold. Um, then there you go. They're not a Christian. They're not following their vows, so on and so forth. Anyway, that was just an interesting I, thing that I discovered. Yeah, well, I was, I've been looking into... Um, what the Bible says about divorce as well, and don't get into ideas, everybody. <laughs> as, just, as soon as I as soon as I started saying that, I, was yep, like, I oh, knew it sounds bad. <laughs> sounds bad. There there was a specific reason that has nothing to do with Mickey and I, but um, it was uh, I was I was reading uh, Greg Bonson on it, and uh, his argumentation for it was really good because a lot of people will say it's only sexual immorality. Yeah, if, if they don't cheat on you. Yeah, they could be beating you or whatever, and, and it's not grounds. Some for Christians say that, yeah, yeah. John John Piper, who is one of those who would say that, and mm. actually, actually, he would go so far as to say, even if you you're a Christian and you do get divorced for a biblical reason, you can't remarry. Even um, wow, ever really? like wow, wow. Hmm. I did ever. not know that about him. Yeah, so he has very very like legalistic views. Right on it that places burdens on Christians that yep. they don't need those burdens. Yeah, um, and quite literally causing your brother to sin, I would mm-hmm. say, because it's very. I mean, if they don't have the gift of singleness, <laughs> right? It's very yeah. difficult. So anyway, but First uh, Timothy five eight says, "But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever." Yep. So yep. you're beating your wife. You're worse than an unbeliever. Yeah. And you have denied the faith. Yep. So unless you repent of that, and 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 at the same time, I mean, the wife doesn't have to believe that he's repented. I mean, she can be like, "You're saying that, but I don't believe you," and and that's yeah. I mean, in his acts, in his actions, and the church will right. will also be a part of figuring that out. Um, too. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. Obviously, it, it it should be it should immediately go to the elders of a local church, and they yep. should be um, consistently dealing with that and uh, be very involved in that situation. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. Greg Bonson's argument as well was just um, if if you're uh, like two two Christians should never get a divorce. Yep. Because if they sin against each other, they should forgive each other and repent, mm-hmm. or repent and forgive each other yeah. in that order. Um, and then they don't need to get divorced because they repented and forgave each other. But if there isn't repentance, and then obviously there shouldn't be forgiveness in, or reconciliation type of forgiveness, then uh, divorce is divorce makes perfect sense. Um, you should uh, a Christian should not be tied down to um, especially a woman who the argument is, well, you have to submit to your husband, you know, you're, you're putting a burden on a Christian that the Bible does yeah. not place on them. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and uh, part of the argument as well is like Malachi, I think 2.6 says that God hates divorce. Mm. And so it's like, well, God hates it. You know, even if it is, you know, adultery or whatever, God still hates it. So you shouldn't do it. And it's like. You should try uh, not to do it (laughs) if at all possible. Like it should be the absolute last resort. Yes. Um, But uh, I remember uh, Pastor Gabe Hughes talking about it as well on his podcast. And um, crazy enough, I don't know if you knew this, Gail, but um, Becky was married before she married Pastor Gabe Hughes. Really? I didn't know. And actually, actually their oldest child was with a different dad. I think I knew that. Wow. Yeah, I know. I didn't know it. So uh, Becky got married and immediately she, uh, like, he started, like, cheating on her and and whatever and so she got a, a divorce yeah and then she started going to the same church that pastor gps got to i uh, was going to and i think she says that she became a christian like after that right point in time and um they they as a couple when as soon as, soon as like i think i think that was like first date conversation as well <laughs> yeah right like you know so but as soon as like they were thinking of getting married and stuff like that. Like they went to so many different churches being like, all right, here's the situation. If we get married, are we committing adultery for the rest of our lives? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, so it's just very interesting. There's lots of stuff about um, divorce I've been looking through as well. Yeah. But, but I, I think that that falls into the realm. This isn't a rabbit trail as much as it could be on Christian artists, because <laughs> if we're talking about the different roles of uh, genders. That's, that's a, a, a uh, pitfall that happens a lot yeah. because women are supposed to submit to the man. Um, it's basically the idea that, well, the woman's supposed to submit to the man, even if she's being abused, she can't get out. You know what I mean? Like you can't, you can't defy the authority of the man yeah. in that situation. Um, by doing that so it's just it's just odd <laughs> mm-hmm. and, it, it, and it just it seems so inconsistent with god's character yeah and god's law yeah you know and and yeah and obviously the levitical law i i didn't make that connection when i was thinking this through so i'll have to remember that as well yeah um, I'll, i'm gonna find i'm gonna find a sermon that jeff durbin did he talked specifically about that because he was like talking okay. about the whole uh, i'll send you that if i can find it again but he was talking basically about like this is you know christians say like because jesus said this is the only reason you should get a divorce you know only for sexual morality then there you go but they they don't realize what he's quoting from like mm-hmm. what he's actually like referencing when he says this stuff. It's it's the passage that gives other reasons why you wouldn't, <laughs> why you would get a divorce, oh. right? And it's- And that's not Jesus abolishing part of that law. Exactly. It's, it's <laughs> right. just him in a particular context saying to the Pharisees, this is like you, in this context, because they were talking about like the whole like, you know, divorce things, can't you just give someone a, a writ of divorce or whatever? And they were, the reason they were saying it is because of the particular context. It was the Pharisees basically saying, yeah, well, we want to have sex with someone else. So we're just going to divorce our wife and then go have sex with someone else. And then he was basically calling them out and saying, unless like you're you're committing sexual immorality by doing this the your wife isn't right so you have no right to do this um and and, but he's not saying this is the only situation in which you can do this because the the verse he's referencing and or insinuating is the passage that basically says here are your marriage vows 
if you break these marriage vows, then divorce can happen. And those marriage vows include being like being provided for, having care provided, you know, given to you, love given to you, which is, you know, in, in the context is sexual love, right? Um, and so, yeah, unless those those are broken, but there are m- more situations, right? It, it, it's, it, it's honestly just common sense. Like when you really get down to it, it's just common sense. It's like, yes, if you're, if you're being beaten by your husband, you can get a divorce. Duh. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing I kind of going back to the uh, women sin, but also related to marriage. Um, I, a couple days ago saw a tweet, uh, one of our mutuals, uh, Kelly uh, at cheerful reader, like quote tweeted it. Um, and this is a tweet from Anthony B. Bradley. Um, and it says, I just want to go one year, folks, where a friend from an evangelical church does not write or call me devastated because his wife is cheating. I have about 18 divorce guy friends, the wife cheat in 17 of the cases. When will evangelical churches discover that women are sinners? And that's part of a bigger thread. But um, like, I find it really interesting that like we specifically ignore the fact that like a lot of the cases where there is sexual immorality in a marriage is the woman's fault. Um, Like we always just kind of assume that it's the man's fault. Um, But that's not true. (laughs) I was like actually very surprised to see that it was even that many out of, I mean, out of that one pastor's um, knowledge of people that he knew that had been divorced. I was surprised that it was that many out of 18 um yeah yep um one other thing that based on what maria was saying i'm trying to remember what it was um it was let's see you were talking about um you talk we we were talking about divorce but it was like before that you were talking about um oh oh i remember what it was um talking about the the whole thing of you know because everyone's assumption is if there is headship or whatever, that means there's going to be abuse and there's nothing the woman can do about it. It's going to be this whole big thing. Um, I also just hear that not just in the sense of like, this is going to happen. Like this is like ripe to, you know, for this to happen, but also just in general, like people, when they hear just clear biblical teaching on what headship means, they're like, eh, but I knew people who said these things and we're bad and so we shouldn't ever say these things and and i'm like i just want to shake people sometimes yeah it's it's literally the genetic fallacy you cannot say because some people who said they believed a thing did bad things that means the belief isn't is just automatically wrong you can't it's a fallacy it's it's a logical fallacy it doesn't work um there are many people who have said they believed many things and didn't actually live out what they said they believed. Um, so, sorry, that's not an argument. Mo- yeah, that's you know, actually why I'm, That's actually why I'm considering not being a Calvinist. It's just, just so many Calvinists are just such jerks. So I'm just like, yep. well, I don't want to be a jerk. So, so I guess I have to yes. completely change yeah. my soteriology. Yeah. Yeah, which is also why I'm not going to be charismatic because Hitler was charismatic. 
so I can't be can't be charismatic. So I gotta I gotta act stupider. I thought if, I okay am, for a moment I thought you were up. saying you meant doctrinally like, doctrinally charismatic like the oh, gifts of the no. tongues and all that stuff. Oh no, Hitler wasn't charismatic in that way. No. Um, but yeah, yeah so if, so if I uh, don't seem as like you know like awesome as i usually do uh that's why it's because i'm trying not to be like like hitler Hitler. (laughs) connor that's a very dangerous thing you just said i'm trying to tone down my awesome because i just don't want to be too much like hitler (laughs) yeah that's right that's right is you know um paul used to be saul and he like killed people so the bible's wrong (laughs) (laughs) yep yep Mm -hmm. yeah and, and it just and this, Carly, this is something that um, happened in a conversation you and I were having with some roommates. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, this was today. This wasn't even in a conversation we were in. We were just standing there, but we made eye contact. <laughs> so I know you were there. <laughs> There's this assumption that men are through and through, every single one, the devil. Yeah. We have a roommate that legit was just like, oh, yeah, I just assume that men are the worst because then I'll, you know, I'll be, you know, pleasantly surprised if I'm wrong. But then also later in the conversation, she was like, you know, men just keep, you know, like actually exceeding my expectations. I'm like, I wonder why. I think every single one is an abusive axe murderer. Yeah. It's just like. Oh, is that true? (laughs) Speaking as a guy, I can can definitively say. It's frustrating because it's like, I just feel so bad for the male population right yeah. now. Like yeah. My heart goes out to you guys because it's like you're being portrayed as sadistic people. Yeah. And, and it's just like, I mean, some of those, for sure, there are horrific people in this world. They're also Everyone is a sinner. <laughs> That's yeah. the, the right. And if you have like a proper biblical understanding of like depravity of like the fact that people sin, y- you won't be ever, you won't ever be surprised by any mm-hmm. person being nice or not nice yeah. because people sin. Sometimes they do it in less obvious ways. And that's just the way the world is like. Yeah. And I just feel like so bad for guys a lot of the time um just because it's like there's this again with the whole favoritism of women there's this picture painted of like men need to feel bad for women because women when they walk home at night they're scared and it's like as a girl i can speak for that i get freaked out when i have to walk by (laughs) like there is that fear and there is that kind of constant in the back of my head like man i hope i don't get raped if i'm out at night um and that's depressing that that's something Mm -hmm. but it's it's also just heartbreaking to me that the picture that is man is being ripped to shreds. Because it's like, men are awesome, and I love them. And they're so cool, because they're different from me. Mm-hmm. And they're just beautiful, because they represent God. Just like <laughs> represents God. It's like, men are beautiful, women are beautiful. Why, why are you attacking the very essence of the male creature? It's so... Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important to point out like the idea of between like masculinity and femininity as ideas and like obviously people are always going to fail to live up to the expectations of the ideal masculine or the ideal feminine, mm-hmm. right? Um but that the more we 
say, oh, because men are sinners, that means being masculine is wrong. The less good people, like the, the less men are going to strive to be better. Right. Yeah. Like, and, and that's just the, the harsh truth. Like I, I, I remember honestly, even me and, and, and me, Connor and Jared have had this conversation a lot. Like I remember us as you know, when we were younger having the, that exact same sort of conversation. We're like, yeah, all, all men are evil. All men are jerks. I, I get it. Like oh, we are. And like, there's an aspect of that. That's obviously true because everyone's evil. Everyone's <laughs> a sinner. Everyone needs grace. Everyone needs to be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and be changed. Um, but, but you know even for us it was like we we bought the the lie that yes men are inherently worse than women just because we're men apparently right and and that's because our culture says that to us all the time even though abortion is a thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> like like honestly abortion is the thing that proves that should be proving to everyone that women are just as wicked as men are yeah because obviously there are wicked men who are bringing their wife mm-hmm. wives and girlfriends to these places but there are also but there's also wives and girlfriends for their yeah i was gonna say there's also wives <laughs> and girlfriends who are kill their child who are killing their children right they're yeah. they're making that choice like obviously there are, i i i know that there are some people who have been pressured by their husbands or or girlfriend or uh, uh boyfriends to get an abortion and that's horrible and tragic and those men should be are going to be held accountable by god mm-hmm. but also women by the the thousands by the millions are choosing of their own volition to murder mm-hmm. their children if that doesn't there are prove, literally videos yeah uh, on the internet of men like screaming and crying outside of a clinic while their significant other walks in to murder their child yep and they're like ass pleading <laughs> with them not to do that yeah. and yeah and, and, and if that should prove to everyone both men and women are equally evil Mm -hmm. and there and there's nothing and and when we do those things when we sin in those ways we are not being masculine or feminine we are being evil right there is a way that men and women can sin that is a result of their masculine or feminine state but a woman being manipulative or a guy being like you know trying to intimidate someone or, or use force to get their way those things aren't men or women being more like men or women. Those are perversions of what masculinity and femininity are. So, so we need to get away from this conversation of men, like the, the idea of toxic masculinity, right? Like that being masculine is toxic inherently because it's not, there's a perversion of masculinity that is very toxic but it's not what men are supposed to be. It's not the ideal masculine. It's not what scripture says a man should be. And it's not truly masculine to be like that. It's also not truly feminine to gossip, to be manipulative, to be whatever, to, you know, whatever else you want to throw there. That's like the typical feminine sin. It's a perversion of what a woman or a man should be. Um, and that's all it is. And, and the, 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 the quicker we get to that conversation, the, 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 easier it will be to accept and embrace true biblical gender roles for men and women because we'll understand there's an ideal we're working towards and the sin we see around us isn't that ideal mm-hmm. and you get a lot um kind of going back to 
uh, headship. Um, you get a lot, especially with feminists, the assumption that because men and women are made for different roles, that automatically, by definition, makes them unequal. Um, but if you actually look at scripture, that's not the case. Um, and it's totally possible to have two people or two things in general that are made for different things, but are not valued differently. Um, uh, I know Dorothy Patterson in the, the essay in Recovering Biblical Manhood and Womanhood uh, specifically uses the example of the Trinity. And um, that's not to say, and she talked about this too, that's not to say that uh, eternal subordination of the son is an actual biblical thing, um, but yeah, just the concept yeah. that Christ is delegated things to do by the father. And that doesn't make him less than the father because we know that he is God. Um, and so we see in scripture, this example of literal God being um, seemingly in different roles, even though, you know, that can get into modalism and that's also wrong. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's very hard to make this well, argument because the Trinity is very hard to make actual biblical metaphors from, yeah. but just the idea that things that are in different roles are not necessarily unequal. Yeah. Go off of you, Carly. I, I would actually say that, that the fact um, that men and women are made for different roles um, makes them equal. Because if you think about it, mm -hmm. um, when you have like the typical apples and oranges situation, um, if you put two apples next to each other, the immediate thing that you're going to do is you're going to compare them and figure out which one is more apple, mm -hmm. which one's a better apple. If you have an apple and an orange, you're not going to do that. You're going to say, this is an apple, mm -hmm. this is an orange. One isn't better than the other. It's an apple and it's an orange. Same mm -hmm. with a female. Yeah. If you put men together, what they're going to do is they're going to try to figure out who's the strongest and who's like the mm -hmm. biggest or whatever men care about <laughs> be a race and if you put two women together there's going to be a race mm -hmm. um, yeah that's a really good metaphor yeah the fact that it's male and female makes it so you don't need to have that battle because mm -hmm. there's not like there's not even a thing try to yeah because because you know you get you get that phrase very corny and stereotypical phrase you complete me um and in a sense, that's not biblical because humans can't actually metaphysically like fulfill each other in the way that God can. Yeah. But there is a sense in which that's true in that men and women's roles complement each other so well that together they actually make one flesh in a marriage. Yeah. Um, so they actually holistically become kind of one unit that operates more efficiently than it would separately. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do we have, have any other uh, jumping off points for this th thoughts we have or Connor? No, no, I think it about wraps up our time here. <laughs> Weird smile. Yeah. I mean, I think we've covered most of the, like the important bits. Uh, any other things that you or uh, Carly or Maria, you, you guys had to, to touch on? Um. I had like one other little thing and it just sure. goes back to the whole submission deal. Um, and once again, Carly, this is going to be old for you because I've talked <laughs> about this. Um, but with the whole submission thing, it's like, it's 
for me, it's like a joy to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Like right now being in a dating relationship, there is a little bit of that. Um, Not a lot, obviously, because that would be unhealthy. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But there is a little bit. When I get the opportunity to to submit, um, it's a very minor degree of it. But it's like, oh, that felt so right. Um, Yeah such a joy to do that and um so I look forward to getting married and to be able to do that to its full um capability I guess and the other thing is in the situations when there is a disagreement um like uh whether it ends up being the wife saying you know husband you're right I'll go with what you're saying or whether it's the husband saying actually you're right I was wrong we'll go with that um like either way, it's it's an opportunity to show the person how much you love them, and I think that that's the way that arguments should be looked at. It's like it, it shouldn't be you trying to prove that you're right. That's not what love is. Love is you know wanting to do its best for the other person, and so I think you should look at arguments, whether it's with a spouse or whether it's with a friend or any other relationship. Um, like you, you should look at it as here's an opportunity to show how much I love this person in a situation that might not come up as often when it's an argument instead of, you know, buying them a gift or something. Oh, I disagree with you. I get to prove how much I love you by giving up something that I want. Um, And that's a joyous thing. If you think about it, it might not be right in the moment because, you know, humans are selfish. Um, but like the idea of that, it's just like, oh, submitting is a joyful thing. And I honestly can't wait to get married. So I get to do that in, in the way that it's meant to be done. <laughs> Being married is awesome. Don't let anybody tell you anything otherwise. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Yep. Well, cool. So you can find us on Twitter at Christ underscore art underscore show at Facebook at facebook.com slash Christian artist show or at our website at Christian artist show.com. If you want to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash Caleb M powers and give me money. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thanks so very much Maria for being on. That was a great conversation. Glad to have you on. Yeah. And uh, we will hopefully be back next week with another heart stopping episode. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> of the christian artist i don't, don't want know you to die um it's a metaphor carly it means exciting thrilling um and <laughs> i think we have a side story of ternalius this thursday i believe we have an episode of death and the madness on friday which i'm excited for and then uh, hopefully we'll do another episode of hellbreaker sequence um on sunday so we got a full full week of fun streaming ahead i'm excited to do this sort of stuff again since i was sick for like a week and a half there and didn't really do anything Uh, but uh yeah i think that is it i think we're out adios everybody